This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by the Destination Leadership Consortium, a collection of some of these sectors' top consultants that has created a symposium of CEO and board leadership called, not surprisingly, Board Leadership for Destinations. The first edition of this event last January was a raging success, and the next symposium has been announced for January 25 and 26 of 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. It's designed for DMO CEOs, their board chairs, and an incoming leader. And you can learn more at DestinationLeadershipConsortium.com and check out the testimonials of this culture-changing event. And now it's on to our show. Fred Dixon is the president and CEO of New York City Tourism and Conventions, New York City's official destination marketing organization and convention and visitors bureau. He joined the organization in 2005 as vice president of tourism and rose to become CEO in 2014. With more than 30 years of experience in the travel industry, Fred is the overall responsibility for developing and implementing New York City's tourism, meetings and events strategy and programming to grow business and leisure travel from across the U.S. and from around the world. Pre-pandemic, Fred built a network of 17 global outposts comprising sales, marketing and press professionals in diverse feeder markets from Australia to the U.K., China to Mexico and India to Brazil that more than doubled international visitation to 13.5 million by the end of 2019. Fred is a respected leader with positions on travel industry association boards and committees, including the U.S. Travel Association, where he serves as vice chair of the board, and Destinations International, where he currently serves as chairman of the board. He has previously held board positions with the U.S. Department of Commerce's Travel and Tourism Advisory Board, Tourism Cares, the National Tour Association, and Student and Youth Travel Association. Prior to joining New York City Tourism and Conventions, Fred served in key positions at the Nashville CVB, Planet Hollywood, the Biltmore, Gatlinburg CVB, and Delta Airlines. He is a graduate of the University of Tennessee and resides in Midtown Manhattan. Fred Dixon, welcome to DMOU. Thank you so much, Bill. It is good to be with you. I think I'm going to need to edit that down a little bit. That's too long. Nah, you've earned it all. (laughs) Take it. Take it. (laughs) Thank you. Anyway, each year, as you know, we reserve an episode for the incoming chair of Destinations International. It took us a little longer to get to you than normal, and uh, we'll make sure that doesn't happen next year. But we always want to make sure that you have the opportunity on this program to lay out your agenda for the year. We're about two months into that reign, and in Dallas, at the annual convention, you laid out four major initiatives, which doesn't exactly fit with our three-question format, but as you are the chair of Destinations International, we'll go with it and we'll make a one-time exception. So it's four questions and a bonus round for you. So question one, on stage in Dallas, you outlined your primary goals for the 23-24 year. One of them was DEI and accessibility. Now, most DMOs started down this path in 2020 and 2021. Share with us how you believe today's DMOs can take that proverbial next step in leading the development of a welcoming environment. Yeah, thank you for that question. And thank you for having me on. It it is a real honor. And uh, I I know Destinations International appreciates the focus each year and and the ability for the chair to come on. So um, I'm deeply grateful. Yeah, uh, in Dallas, you know, it was really important for me to lay out the top priorities for me as chair, and they match, of course, where the organization is going overall. And you're right, a lot of destinations have 
begun down this journey of DEI. Also, accessibility, not always linked together, but often they are and they should be. In the last three years, some have been doing it longer. Some are just now really figuring out how to get to it. And that is all okay because we're all on the same journey. And at the end of the day, it is very much about extending the welcome, right? I mean, in the hospitality industry, certainly in the destination marketing world, our goal is to grow demand right? To drive visitation, to drive spending and tax revenue for our communities and create jobs. And in our increasingly complex world, you know, we want to make sure that the message of welcome comes through. And I think about it really in sort of two buckets. One is what are we doing to make sure that travelers see themselves in our destination and they could envision themselves here? Um, And then I also think about what can we do to make our own organizations more accessible and, and also more inclusive. So I sort of look at it as the external and the internal. And so from, from the external perspective, these are marketing exercises that I think we all have to go through. Every community is different. Some communities are more diverse than others, but we all recognize the impact of travelers. And in a world that is increasingly diverse and increasingly connected, how do we make sure that we are doing our part to keep our destinations in the, in the right light and attractive to all types of travelers? And that journey really begins with marketing strategies, and it really begins at the grassroots level with your team and your stakeholders and your board. For DI, I think, you know, the addition of Sophia Hyder-Hawk heading up DE&I from a staff perspective at DI. Sophia has spent the last year to two years really building out a platform and a strategy and a plan for how to grow the work in this space, how to be a good resource for members. I think we've made a lot of progress. And one of the things I think we all have to remind ourselves is that this work is really never done. Visitors, in my view, are a lifetime relationship, right? You're not just looking to attract someone once. You want them to visit your destination and to return time and again throughout their lives. Uh, And hopefully it becomes generational. And so it isn't just a one-off transaction. And so it really does speak to brand affinity and travelers' perceptions of your destination. And so DI has built a number of tools to help advance that dialogue. In fact, we're coming up on our very first EDI conference, which is which is going to be happening in Little Rock in October. Yeah. And so we're really excited about that. It's being combined with our advocacy conference for the first time at DI. The organization is doing a number of things, and I encourage everyone to go onto the Destinations International website to see the work themselves, to see the plans, and to think about how not only can you advance your own agenda, but how can DI perhaps help you with that important work? From an internal perspective, and we touched on accessibility too, I don't want to leave that off the table. As an organization, you know, we have been doing the work here, as I know a lot of others have as well, to be mindful of, you know, do we as a staff reflect the community that we represent? And that's, for me, one of the greatest sort of metrics. And we've been working really hard to do that, you know. One of the things that's challenging sometimes is in the DMO world, we have lifers, right? I have been here at NYC Tourism, formerly NYC and Company, 18 years. People stick around for a long time. So when you have the opportunity to bring in new talent, being mindful of new perspectives and making sure that that you have space uh, to represent the entire community and, and equal opportunities is really key. And as I think about that and in, in my leadership here, and certainly in the way we built back after COVID, because like so many other organizations, we had to furlough and downsize and then and then build back up. And we've been very in, intentional in that build up to think about diversity uh, and inclusion in those hires. And I have to say, it's the most exciting group, mm-hmm. I think, of, of talent I've had the privilege of working with. We've got a lot of young folks in the organization that are new, but they all are bringing such wonderful energy 
and perspectives, and it's just making our work stronger and better. And so not only are we, I think, more reflective of the community, which I think is key to, to doing good work in our space in the DMO world, but also I think we're really expressing that welcome and allowing travelers to see themselves in our work. One small example, you know, we were the first destination in North America here at NYC Tourism to launch a halal travel guide for Muslims. And, uh, and it was so incredibly well received. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had, I've panels I've been on, presentations that we've given where people really got emotional about it. They were so moved by the fact that we did this work. We worked with a company called Crescent Rating that helped us build the, the content and the platform. Those kinds of things are what I hope we're remembered for because it takes that kind of effort to make sure that everyone feels welcome. We're fortunate in the city of New York to have such a diverse community. We have foods of every type from around the world. Eating your way through New York uh, with halal food is a very easy thing to do. So it was a no-brainer for us to do the work. But culturally as well, it has been a real success for us in being able to promote neighborhoods and local businesses in a new in a new lens. Um, so I think that's the big message we want to get out to everyone. Accessibility too, as you, as you touched on, is key, right? Um, you know, the, the baby boomers, the largest portion of the population is growing older. I'm on the, the cusp of that, but heading in that direction. And, and so whether it's it's folks who were born with, with a disability or folks who you know, are developing mobility issues as they get older, we all need to be more mindful of how to be more welcoming and inclusive. And so I think this is some of the work we're all going to look back on and be the most proud of. DI and, and under Don's leadership and certainly with Sophia's contributions and the rest of the team have really embraced this as well and seen the importance of this work. And so, um, so I'm thrilled that it's at the top of the list yeah. in terms of priorities going forward. There's not a better time. There's not a better metric and not a better thing that we in the industry could be yeah. doing. And, you know, there are several silver linings to the pandemic. One of them is many DMOs have been able to do just what you've described, and that is as you hired back, you were more intentional about making sure that you represented the community in a much more deep way. I think the biggest challenge for many DMOs, though, is we don't have the same control over the board of directors. And our board of directors oftentimes in some states is mandated by state statute. And, you know, there's one state that says you will have nine members. And I get it. A nine-member board can often be more nimble and act more decisively. But a nine-member board in our world unintentionally conspires against diversity. Yeah. And I think that you also have legacy board members, if you don't have term limits, that once again, conspires against that opportunity. And I think that's one of the things we need to focus on, I think, going forward is how do we assist DMO boards in doing what DMO CEOs are doing by increasing the diversity of uh, their professional staff? Yeah, it's such an important point. And I know we as DMOs are all over the board in terms of that issue. You know, everyone has got their own challenges in, in some ways. And I think there are some, you know, creative solutions. I've seen some some situations where special task force or advisory boards have been created. Mm -hmm. But from a governor's perspective, you're right. And I think this is something that we should continue to think about. And how can we better inform powers that be, whoever is making those appointments, for example, or whoever's setting up governance, that this is something that should be considered. And I know 
every state, every region yeah. is going through their own journey with this. In some cases, we're going backwards. But I think the arc of history is long, and I think the arc of history is pointing in this direction. And so it's an excellent point that you make, and, and I think that's a project that we can we can give some more thought yeah. to. Yeah, and we started down that path. During that angry summer of 2020, Searchwide's Mike Gamble and I uh, co-wrote a position paper on how to diversify boards that was underwritten by Destinations International. So uh, for those of you, I'm not sure where it is on the DI website, but you can find it on our homepage at dmopros.com. Second question is global growth. Another one of your stated goals. We've always said international in our name, but how is this year going to be different? How do we, as people say, put the I back in DI? Yeah. Another huge opportunity, I think, for the organization. You know, there are increasingly common challenges for DMOs, I think, all over the world. And we're lucky here in New York because we have had the chance to build some really interesting and fun and productive partnerships with other DMOs around the globe. Our first one was with Madrid. We've had relationships with Milan and Tokyo and Shanghai. And it has been a lens through which I've been able to see how others do their work. And we have learned so much. It's been such a terrific opportunity. I've had the chance to go to Europe many times as a guest of, of City DNA, which is, is was their European mm-hmm. Cities Alliance. You, you, I'm sure you're familiar with them, yep. all the European DMOs. And I just found it so fascinating and so fresh and perspective, seeing how they address their challenges. You know, obviously older cities with older infrastructure, oftentimes, sometimes very crowded. We know what's happened in Venice and Barcelona and Amsterdam in terms of over-tourism. And so looking to them as a bit of a bellwether, but also as a learning lab for us and how they address these challenges, because we knew they may be coming to our shores. And sure enough, you know, we all here in the U.S. are dealing with, in one way or another, thoughts or stresses from over-tourism. And so I've been the benefactor, I've been the recipient of, a, of some good exchanges with other DMOs around the globe. And so I was really happy when DI really leaned into this notion. Jane Cunningham, for example, DI's representative over in Europe, is doing a terrific job with the new Pathfinders group. So Pathfinders is a uh, sort of a an incubator, if you will, for new members into DI. It's a, it's a program to introduce DI and its programming and benefits to international DMOs that are considering membership. It's sort of a beginner's club, if you will, sort of a trial club. And Jane has done a terrific job, and I think she's up to 20 DMOs now across Europe and even the Middle East that are joining Pathfinders to learn about DI, learn about how they can access all the great content and programming, fellowship, and engagement that DI offers. And so there already is a strong foundation that's built to expand. And I think we all can learn something, you know, leading the DMO in the nation's largest city, we learn some of our best ideas and work from much smaller destinations where oftentimes professionals are closer to the ground, have been able to think very creatively. I am a firm believer that there are no original ideas anymore. Everything is a little bit of creative theft, and uh, none of us are, are too proud, I think, to learn from one another. And so for me, being in that environment where you have a mixture of destinations from across the U.S., across North America, but also across the globe, just enriches the dialogue, enriches our opportunities. And so Jane, growing the Pathfinders this year, I've been very honored to help her with that. I've been able to sit in on a lot of her sessions. Adam Burke from L.A. has done the same thing and a few others. It's been very rewarding for me. And it also reminds us that this work that we do is so important for people-to-people exchanges. And it is soft diplomacy on some level once you get outside the borders of the United States. 
and protecting and nurturing travel, protecting and nurturing the important stewardship work that destinations do has never been more important. And, it is, and it's true in the U.S. and it's true around the world. And so over the next year, I have promised Don and the team, I'm going to do my best to invite some of my colleagues and our partners from around the globe to come um, and to be part of DI, to come and visit and to, to experience what this association has to offer and to be part of it. And we've had a great reception so far. Many of them have dipped into Pathfinders to get a sense for what DI offers and are liking it and are joining. And I think it's just going to enrich our organization. And it isn't that we're going to take attention away from our U.S. partners uh, or our Canadian partners or Mexican partners here in North America. But I think it's really just an opportunity for all of us to enrich the dialogue. We're, we have increasingly similar challenges, whether it's issues of DE&I, issues of sustainability. I know these are other things we're going to talk about, accessibility. There's some great work being done in, um, in places all over the globe. And so to increase the benefit of DI, the value proposition that DI brings to the table of enriching those dialogues and bringing fresh perspectives, I think is super valuable. And so I'm, I'm really excited that the team has embraced this in a way, and I'm, and I'm honored that I can actually contribute in my own way from our experience and relationships here in New York. Yeah, and you say that there are no new ideas, maybe not in North America or in the United States, but what I've been fascinated over the past five, six, maybe even 10 years is they do it very differently in Europe. And so this is a new idea to me in the United States, and they do it differently in Canada, and they do it differently in, I think, all over this globe, we're going to be able to, as American DMOs, to learn from them and say, wow, never thought of taking it that direction. I think Europe was way ahead of us years ago in the convention sales arena, if you will, by understanding that part of the lure of a destination was the intellectual capital that you have to offer meeting planners that they don't have to fly somebody from across the globe. They don't have to put them up at night because they live right here. And, you know, a thousand dollar honorarium sure beats $15,000 of cost for a speaker of the same caliber that you have right here in your own hometown. They were way ahead of us on that one. And we learned from that. And I think that that's, so that's right. really the beauty of an international organization that is intentional about that internationality. So question three is, as a membership-driven trade association, DI exists to provide value to its members. Don really embraced that trade association member-first philosophy when he came on the scene. Your third pillar is to provide member resources for sustainability. So take us deeper into that goal. Yeah. And, and what, a, what a nice segue from the last question, because one of the spaces I think where the Europeans also were ahead of us was space, yeah, right? right? They were much more mindful of the issues around sustainability, I think, than we were in the U.S. We're obviously catching up, but my gosh, they have provided a, a really nice roadmap for us here in New York in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, the sustainability question. I mean, there is also one of the big issues of our time. Um, we all know what's happening or seeing what's happening, certainly in the climate. We're all sort of feeling impacts of it in one way or another. And what's its impact going to be on travel and tourism? Right. I mean, we have to recognize that travel and tourism is responsible for what around eight to 10 percent, I think, of global carbon output. Yeah. And so what is our role right. in that and how can we be more mindful when we know the airlines are a big part of that? And they're on their own journey to try and reduce their carbon footprint through new fuels and in the way that they operate and efficiencies. 
But from a destination perspective, what can we do? And I'm sure you have talked a lot about this and think a lot about it as DMOs. You know, we don't control policy. We don't write energy policies for our cities or our states or our countries. Mm -hmm. We engage with the private sector. We engage with government. We can amplify policies. We certainly can promote policies. You know, I can't tell you the last time we had an RFP for an event that did not include questions about local sustainability policies and positions. You know, meeting planners and event planners in particular are super mindful of this topic and are asking the hard questions. And that's why our convention centers are having to respond, mm-hmm. yep. uh, our hotels, um, our museums and cultural organizations, our cities when it comes to public transit, for example, and policies around not just recycling. I mean, here in New York now, we're looking at, you know, uh, mandatory food composting. It's just getting more and more complicated, but all with a common good goal in mind. And that is how can we be more sustainable in our work? How can we all contribute, can contribute in a positive way to reducing carbon emissions? And so for DI, you know, one of the big challenges this year is we're all still grasping with this. How can DI play a role um, in helping create some of those case studies and blueprints? And Don, to his credit, and the team have really embraced this and are talking to others and partners. And we're hopeful to have some announcements uh, during this year about some advances that we're making towards blueprints and, and dialogue. Uh, in this space, you know, we all have some catching up to do to the earlier point. And I think, you know, the younger generation certainly are going to drive this in many ways. We're already seeing and hearing travelers that are, are that are choosing, you know, not to travel by air, that are only traveling by a public transit or, or rail. We're certainly behind the eight ball when it comes to that here in the U.S. You know, we never really invested in rail the way we probably should have at one point. So there, there could be some real challenges on the horizon for us in that regard. So how do we as DMOs play this role? Again, another place where DI I think is so fundamental is learning from others. Certainly destinations that are in outdoor environments, that are gateways to national parks that are more outdoor centric, you know, have been thinking about this for quite some time, you know, whether it's campaigns to leave no trace behind or whether it's efforts to you know be mindful much more mindful of the environment they've been in that space and been operating there for some time partially because they had to whether it was issues of over tourism whether it was issues of limited resources and so urban destinations were all finding our, our way here so there's a huge opportunity for di i think to take a lead role in helping blueprint uh, some of this work and breaking it down to its to its base components just last week here in New York, we hosted, obviously, the UN General Assembly, the United Nations General Assembly, convenes every year in the third and fourth weeks of September. So that, that just wound down. And now for more than 10 years, the Climate Week program has been an overlay. In this past week, there were more than 500 events that were climate focused that happened all across the city of New York. And it was everything from, you know, very strong rallies and events around fossil fuels to some very sort of thoughtful and philosophical presentations around issues of things like composting, you know, if food waste is, is one of the big spaces that I think we in hospitality uh, should think about differently. You know, I know some of the major hotel chains are thinking about, should we do away with buffets? Buffets contribute some of the largest amount of food waste in the world. It used to be that that was something we all looked forward to and promoted was, you know, that breakfast buffet in the hotel that was included in your price. And now we know that that is, um, that's not necessarily a good move. And so, being mindful, even in small ways. I mean, Slovenia just actually passed some major legislation, I understand, to do away with buffets at the national level, which I think is is pretty bold. So again, how can we learn from others and what role do DMOs play in this? And so 
huge opportunity for DI to lead. And I'm really looking forward to some output here and, and digging in on, on what these blueprints could look like to help destinations of every size. All right. And the rare question four, never been asked before. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You not only want to step up our international presence, but you also want a renewed emphasis on meetings and business events, which is where DI, when we were the International Association of Convention Bureaus, got its start over 100 years ago. How can Destinations International get back into that game and help members in this arena? Yeah. And thank you for indulging me with the fourth question. One of the things that we have, you know, seen in, in you know, speaking from our seat here in New York is, is of course, the perennial need for business travel. And the, the one space that we as DMOs can often have an impact is in the meetings and events sector. And so for us in New York, it is, it is critical to our work. You know, we have seen challenges throughout the years. I was fortunate to be very involved in the meetings being business coalition at the U.S. Travel Association, and I, I got to co-chair that a, a few years ago, reminding government leaders in particular, but the media and others as well, of the important role that meetings and events play in, in local tourism economies. And so Don, I know, has embraced this idea as well. And it's an important part of the dialogue of recovery coming out of COVID. Um, you know, there were times, what, look, during COVID, we were questioning everything, weren't we? Were we going to travel again? Were we going to gather in groups? Sure. Were meetings and conventions going to be viable once again? And, and now we see, as a lot of us thought, you know, things are, are snapping back more or less as they were before. We're more mindful. I think, you know, sustainability certainly is ever present. DE&I and accessibility is ever present. These are all good outcomes and silver linings, as you said. But the meetings and, and, and event space still needs nurturing. When it comes to sustainability, you know, they still are figuring out a, a lot of the pieces um, to the puzzle there. Um, you know, trade shows in particular are an area where I think we have a lot of progress to be made in terms of sustainability and whether it's one use materials uh, for trade shows or how can we take best practices and, and encourage more multi-use materials. But the focus on meetings and conventions is a right one for the year ahead. And I know there's been dialogue with our partners, whether it's at, at the Events Industry Council or PCMA or MPI, ASAE, everyone is at the table to have conversations about, you know, the power of convening, the importance of convening, the importance of these marketplaces, how we can be more mindful and thoughtful of them from a sustainability and accessibility standpoint, but also the role that they play in community. And, and you made such a good point earlier about the thought leadership within community and how it can help be an attractor for meetings and conventions business. From a DMO perspective, there's probably no better work and threads that we can weave than those very threads into our community, furthering the value proposition of destination marketing, tying in with academia, tying in with tech, with science, with schools, in, in terms of advancing the attractiveness of the destination for the meetings and event space. So I, I think DI is going to is going to play an outsized role in convening these conversations and building these partnerships to help advance meetings and conventions. And, and a reminder that they are such an essential part of the puzzle uh, for us. And for some destinations, they're a significant, if not the major part of the puzzle in terms of driving group. And as I said, there is uh, for many of us, there, there is no stronger metric than group room nights on the books. And so it's going to continue to play an important role. And, and I'm thrilled that DI is actually prioritizing it. That is great. And love your four pillars. As those who went before you, people like Rick Antonson, I mean, his pillar, and it was a singular one, 
was environmental, blue-green. You think back to Spurgeon Richardson, who at a very critical time during his chairmanship, there was a, a real crisis of ethics and transparency, and that was his pillar. Yeah. And I think your four really get us where we want to go. So congratulations on that. Let us know where we can help in getting to your goal line. So it's time for your bonus round question. And this is one. So we got to timestamp this. We're recording this the final week of September 2023, just days after Travis Kelsey's uniform, his jersey, is the number one selling one in the NFL because his girlfriend was in the box when the Kansas City Chiefs kicked the butt of the Chicago Bears last Sunday. You've got a Taylor Swift story from 2014 that is just please share that with us. No, you're great with segues. <laughs> that Travis Kelsey one was just begging to be done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it speaks to the power of Taylor and her brand. And and one of the proudest moments for me in my professional career was, was building a relationship with her, which came from actually a bid that we were doing for a major event for New York, the Country Music Awards, who had come to New York after 9-11 and were thinking about coming back again. They they like the idea and have often considered dipping back into New York City. Interesting trivial point is is one of the largest country music radio markets in the country. Really? It's not the world. And yeah, people don't automatically think of that. But the CMAs, you know, like to dip in and out of York when they can. And so there was another round of dialogue about them considering coming to New York with the award show. And I went down to Dallas to pitch the board and they invited me to stay for dinner my seatmate at, at the dinner was Taylor's manager. And we got into this lively conversation and he said, I've been spending a lot of time in your city. And I said, that's great. What have you been doing? And he said, well, Taylor um, has always wanted to move to New York. And so we've been looking for her apartment and we finally found it. And, and it, it took us a while and now she's settled there and we're all spending a lot of time there and she's loving it. And he said, if you know anything about her, she writes about everything that happens to her. And she's thinking about writing about her experience of moving moving to New York. We should stay in touch. And we exchanged business cards, and I didn't think a whole lot about it. And a few months later, I got an email from him saying, you know, I told her about our conversation, and she's actually finishing this new pop album. And she's got a song that she would like you to hear, and she would like to invite you down to the apartment to hear it. Would you come? <laughs> <laughs> I had to reread that email twice. <laughs> And, uh, and it took me about two seconds to answer it. Yes, uh, you know, in all caps, I absolutely will, will, will be there. And she invited the head of Dick Clark Productions to come as well, who produced uh, New Year's Eve in Times Square. She's an incredibly smart business person. And she had only two goals. She wanted to launch her new album in New York City in 2014. And she wanted to do it in Times Square and she wanted to perform for New Year's Eve in Times Square. Those are sort of dreams of hers. And she said, I want uh, to work with you both to try to realize these dreams. And she said, I, ha I want to play a song that I've written that I would like you your thoughts on. And at that time, the album only existed on her iPhone because, you know, one of the biggest threats, as you know, from your career is that new material will leak out and uh, will get released uh, you know, out of your control. Right. And so it only existed on her iPhone. And so she went into the other room to plug in her iPhone and um, she came back in and, and she played it. And, and I have to table set for a second. She actually cooked us lunch. <laughs> she, knew, she knew exactly what she was doing. She had yeah. this great lunch. She says she cooked it. I like to think she did. I'm not, I didn't see her cook it, but she was in the refrigerator, like getting stuff out of the refrigerator when I walked in. She couldn't have been more gracious and smart as a tack. And she, she played this song for us. And then she came back and she hopped up on the 
kitchen countertop. We were sitting at the bar. She hopped up on the countertop opposite us and was looking at us, watching us listen to her song. I've never been so intimidated in my life. The good thing is I love the song from, from the very beginning, the song Welcome to New York, which she wrote about her move here. And when it finished, she said, well, what do you think? And I said, I, I think it's incredible. And I said, I, I love the sentiment. I love the vibe. I love the energy of the song. And she said, well, I'm really glad to hear that because I want you to have it. And it took me a minute to process that. And she knew exactly what she was doing. She wanted a, a brand partnership with us. She wanted to, to work with us to launch this album in New York. It was a seminal moment in her career when she was transitioning for country to pop. And we built this incredible partnership. And she didn't ask us for a dime. I mean, that was the, that was the incredible thing. Wow. Oftentimes, wow. these talent relationships take money and yep. investment and fees. She didn't want a dime. She wanted to, to partner with us. And she gave us the rights to the song. And one little funny aside is that you know, she said, I'm going to waive all my rights. In fact, I'm donating my proceeds of the song to the New York City Public Schools, which she did. And she said, but I have one collaborator that is just getting started. And it would be really nice if you could just pay him. It's not going to be very much money. And it wasn't very much money. And we said, sure, of course. Who is it? And she said, his name is Ed Sheeran. <laughs> and uh, we'd never heard no. of Ed Sheeran. And look at the day. <laughs> So he, he got paid for the rights to the song, but she, she donated hers. Wow. And uh, it was just a terrific partnership. And the theme of her album and her tour that year was Welcome to New York. And you've heard that song now on movies, yeah. you know, far and wide. And it was just a gift. And, and she was such a delight to work with. And she's so smart. And her team was terrific. And she really got it. She really understood the power of the destination, the power that it brought and what it meant to be associated with the brand of New York City. And, and it's just one of the proudest moments of my career. And I think some of the best work we've done. And at that moment, she was the largest talent on social media. She had the largest following of anyone in the world. And I think yeah. she's probably still at that place. And the media follow her. And the, the Travis Kelsey story is, is another great example of, of Taylor's journey and just how captivating she is with the media and fans all over the world. And I mean, look, you know, there's also a case study to be made for the Eras tour. You know, the work that she did this year may have just helped the United States in its recovery. Beyonce as well. You know, Absolutely. Seen, you've probably seen yeah. some of the stories in the press, the tourism impact she had on communities for her tour and how we're all thinking differently now about concerts and talent. And I was just very fortunate to have this relationship with her in 2014. What a great story. That's just fabulous. Well, Fred, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for all you do for Destinations International and for the entire industry. And as I said uh, a few minutes ago, let us know where we can help in any way uh, to get your uh, goals um, across the goal line uh, by the time we uh, reconvene again for the annual conference next year um, in July. So thanks again. Well, I look forward to that. Thank you for the opportunity, Bill. Have a great day. You bet. Thank you. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It's DMOU.com. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on whatever platform you enjoy your podcasts so you can receive instant notification when new episodes drop. Thanks again to our sponsor, the Destination Leadership Consortium, a collection of some of the sector's top consultants that has created a symposium for CEO and board leadership called Board Leadership for Destinations. The first edition last January rocked. The next symposium has just been announced for January 25 and 26 in Phoenix, Arizona, designed for DMO CEO, board chair, and an incoming leader. You can learn more at DestinationLeadershipConsortium.com. 
DMOPros.com. It's where you're going to find links to our services for the DMO sector, links to the Z News, position papers on board diversity, and a new model for destination development, the book Destination Leadership, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, plus access to past episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time. Welcome to